Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Goslavsky here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Today, we're going to talk about two festivals, uh, one that's just ending, it's uh, Real Asian, and that one is available online, and the other one is uh, starting its second half soon. Uh, it's called the Blood in the Snow Festival, affectionately called BITS. And that, yeah, that one, we'll explain when we get to that part. It, the second part of the festival uh, is going to be happening in the Royal Cinema. The first part was on TV, Super Channel, I believe. Okay, so Courtney is going to start us off. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the films. You can still get them online for about another day. Yes, so for there's a lot of great titles at Real Asian this year. They're the 25th year, and uh, one of my favorites is Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, and it is a science fiction comedy uh, for director Junta Yamaguchi, and it's a really inventive premise. It's essentially a cafe owner discovers that the TV in his um, cafe is actually linked to his TV upstairs, and in his um, apartment. And the funny thing is the TV in his apartment is actually showing what's going on downstairs, but two minutes in the future. And this leads to a series of events where both the cafe owner and his friends are trying to figure out this weird kind of time loop they seem to be in. And in the process, find a way to extend the loop so that they are constantly seeing two minutes further into the future. And this leads to a lot of comedic hijinks and also a few incidences that they don't anticipate um, because, you know, knowing what's going to happen in the future isn't necessarily always a good thing. And also the film does a really interesting thing with the notion of, of time and the sense that if you know what's going to happen in the future, are you obligated to play things out the way that you've seen it? to ensure that what happens after that continues. So you've got this kind of dilemma that a lot of the characters have where things will happen, but then they feel like, all right, they have to act it out in front of the TV, just like it was shown to them. So that way you can kind of perpetuate the loop. It's a really inventive film. It's, you know, one of those kind of do-it-yourself indie films that has a really unique premise. And at first you think, well, can this thing sustain more than a two-minute short what have you and yes it does like it's it's hilarious it's it's really inventive how it's done and it shows that you don't need a big budget to really make a interesting and unique science fiction film absolutely i totally i love this film it is so much fun and it, i love the way that it messed with my head but in a funny way in a i mean there's a lot of logic behind it and um sometimes it messed with me because the logic was sort of messy yeah, mm -hmm. even though it's logic, because, yeah, it, in the ways that they're trying to manipulate things um, and they're trying to manipulate time. Uh, but they're trying to do it in their own version of a scientific kind of way, you know, because they're using logic to do it. Like, well, if this happens, if we do this, then this will happen. And uh, it just I don't know, it just blew my mind in in all sorts of wonderful ways. And, yeah, the aesthetic is wonderful because it totally looks like 
just some video or, you know, I think it was shot on a phone. I don't know. It just looks, it, it doesn't look like it, like it's a film. Like it just looks like there's a surveillance camera or something that we're watching, um, which you then, that makes me get into it more because if, if this sounds crazy, let me know. But it started to feel more real that way, you know, because it wasn't uh, uh, the image. There was no artifice in it, right? Um, anyway, I just had a lot of fun with this. And even though the, it, the, the twists, I think the reason it sustained its length, it's not that long of a film. It's like 70 minutes. But the reason it, 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 it sustained that length is because of the inventive twists um, that, that they come up with, the filmmaker comes up with. Uh, yeah, uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes is wonderful. Yeah, definitely a, uh, a fun treat. And I know you saw, was it Three Sisters, which was uh, an award winner? Yes, uh, Three Sisters won the best feature at Real Asian this year. And it, like international, best international feature. And... It is a completely, let's talk about the opposite of, of uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. It, this is completely the opposite. This is a South Korean film and it tells the story of three sisters as they're getting ready to, um, to go celebrate their father's birthday. Uh, so, and that requires them you know, to, to journey back to the family home. Uh, but first we get introduced to them, their situations, they, they actually have very different lives um, and they're very different people, it appears at the beginning, right? Um, one of them, she's got, she's got this very proper religious base, like she, she conducts the church choir, she's very active in the church community, she's got this so-called perfect life. Then you start to see the cracks in that because this perfect life you can see she's doing everything possible to control to be controlling to make sure that everything's perfect and life is not like that so it starts to like the messiness starts to burst through and and we start to see um that her life is not perfect uh, because because also what's interesting is the other two sisters their their lives are kind of a mess uh, one of them is an artist and um, she's the youngest. And in some ways, she's still acting like a child. She's still acting like the youngest. Um, and she's completely, like <laughs> she's got a completely opposite messy situation. And then we don't really know the oldest sister, uh, but then we start to get to know her and we start to see that in her own quiet way, she is also uh, watching her life fall apart. And then what happens is when they do finally come together and go to the birthday party, what happens? Uh, what happens is this kind of an explosion that happens. Um, it's um, it's actually a very telling film about uh, toxic family relationships, about the past, its impact on the present, um, about family dynamics, um, and and just the main thing about the film is that it's very solid storytelling, even though there's a lot of emotion in it. Um, it 
the, the actresses are incredible and the director is smart enough to just rely on close-ups, uh, on close-ups on them to convey so much. And that, that's the, the strength of the film that moves the film forward. And it helps to make the ending make sense. Uh, it's not that it doesn't make sense, but it just seems like a logical conclusion when something just comes at us from out of the blue, something we we are privy to at this birthday party, we realize this, what brought about this explosion. Um, and I mean like an emotional, impactful explosion. Um, we realize that it, it's kind of surprising. It's very powerful, but it's kind of surprising how subtly, but how well the film was building exactly towards that. Mm, sounds very interesting. Yeah, very solid. So that's that's three sisters. Excellent. Um, one that I saw, uh, I, I guess it would, in comparison, is probably slightly lighter in tone. Um, it's called Seven Days, and it is a film that is set just as the pandemic is starting, and it's a film that stars um, Geraldine Viswanathan, who a lot of people might remember from the film Blockers. She was a, a scene stealer in that film, and she plays Rita. And the other uh, prominent person in, in the film is Karen Sony, who plays Ravi. And R Rita and Ravi have essentially gone on a blind date because their parents, who are both South Asian, have set them up via this um, dating site for that specializes in arranged marriage. So they're going on this date to see if they like each other. And there's this whole back and forth with, you know, they got to report back to the mothers and explain what happens. But just as the date ends, the pandemic hits in terms of the stay in place lockdowns happen. And through a series of events, Ravi has to stay over at Rita's for one night until he can get like a, a car service. So he's going to sleep on her couch. So during the day, um, Ravi assumes that Rita is kind of a demure, vegetarian, family-oriented. And over the course of the night, he finds out that she actually likes alcohol. She eats fried chicken. She uses foul language. She's not the prim and proper um, woman that he anticipated. And then you find out that the overnight kind of gets extended. Through a series of events, he has to stay longer at her house. And you've got her trying to deal with her own issues because she's seeing a uh, married man who's voiced by Mark Duplass because the Duplass brothers are executive producers of this particular film. And Ravi's also trying to come to terms with the fact that his idea of what happiness and marriage should be is slightly skewed because his own parents didn't quite have the romanticized relationship that he's looking for and a lot of his attitudes are actually fueled by his fear of of living a lonely life um, so over the course of the seven days the two kind of interact get to know each other a bit better but then also you have the pandemic kind of hitting closer to home than they anticipate so it's one of those films where it starts off really kind of light fluffy romantic and then gets really serious but done in a way that's really captivating and intriguing. And it shows that often, regardless of if you're in a committed relationship, if it's an arranged marriage, at the end of the day, getting to know the essence of a person is what really matters. It's not the ideals and the, and the I guess, 
the anticipations that we put on ourselves. It's the the actual interactions, even if they're brief, if they're they're meaningful, it could do wonders for your life. So I, I was really impressed by this film. I know when the pandemic first hit, a lot of people joked online about, oh, we're going to get a wave of pandemic movies and pandemic rom-coms, what have you, that are going to be um, insufferable. But this is not one of them. This is actually a really well thought out film that that works far better than um, you initially anticipated, Will. So that was seven days. Um, I know you fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say that you saw Try Harder. Did you want to talk about that one? Yeah, I, tr- I saw Try Harder. It's um, a, a U.S. documentary. Uh, it's by director Debbie Lum. It's her sophomore feature. And uh, she is following a group of high school students. Uh, they all go to Lowell High School in San Francisco. And it's, it's a very high-ranking, like top-ranking educational institute institution, even though it's a high school, but it's very hard to get in. And basically, like on one level, you're watching how she is just basically deconstructing this situation of a group of overachievers and what happens when they all land, you know, the concept of uh, being a big fish in a small pond or vice versa, the small fish in the big pond. Well, suddenly, yeah, they're small. They were big fish and now suddenly they're small fish in a big pond because everyone is brilliant. Everyone is an overachiever. And uh, there's so much heart and soul in this film. The kids are like, there's, they're just so many different kids, right? Like different personalities, different uh, situations, except for the fact that there's so much pressure put on each one. That is, that is the one factor that they all have in common, whether they're putting them the pressure on themselves or their parents are in, in a lot of cases, it's both, you know, they're putting the pressure on and the parents are putting the pressure on Um, this. um, This school is uh, majority Asian kids, Asian American kids. Right. Um, But the film does have like an interesting cross section of kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just, you, I just was captivated by these kids and um, I just fell into, like, I just got so into their problems, their, their dreams, their worries. Um, They're all the pressure that they're all facing very early on in high school to they're looking forward already to college and they've got the top ones. They all, for some reason, want to get into Stanford. And that may, may just be my ignorance going for some reason. Like, I, I don't really understand why they all want to get into Stanford more than they would Harvard or Yale, even though those are on their list. You know, they're all, all the big ones are on their list. And you follow uh, them through the entire process of, you know, being first landing in high school and then being seniors. And uh, uh, this is one of those ones where, you know, it's a documentary and, it, they're real people so you really you really feel for them and there's I just felt so much empathy for them um through all these trials and tribulations uh it's very intense at times but they are they are very intense these poor kids right that's that's what I kept thinking you know throughout the film was you poor kid you're just a kid <laughs> but 
here it is, like their entire future, they're thinking about it all the time and their entire future rests on where they get into next. So yeah, try harder. I was completely, completely sucked into that one. Um, and uh, I hope a lot of people see it. Oh, interesting. That one sounds great. Um, one that I saw that kind of pulled me in as well. And when you were talking about empathy, I was thinking about this film and it's a, it's one of the short films playing at the festival and it's a film called Taipei Suicide Story. And it's essentially a tale about a receptionist at a suicide hotel in Taipei who um, through a random event, he discovers that there's a particular room that I guess was booked for a few nights and the woman in the room has managed to stay in it for over a week. And none of the cleaning staff has brought this to his attention. So when he initially goes to kick her out, he basically says, look, you know, you have one last night here and then you either have to vacate the premises or come to do what you have to do. It's your choice. But through um, just the circumstance, a friendship is kind of formed between them. Like, you know, it starts off kind of coarse and then there's a mutual understanding that he approached things a little too gruff um and they end up spending an evening just kind of walking around taipei because the restaurant at the hotel is closed so he's just showing her around and they really get to know each other you learn a bit about him having to work at a suicide hotel especially when it first opened and how there was a lot of public protests and whatnot and you also get to know a bit about her and her kind of disappointment in life and you know the expectations that we all have that are often dashed um, and it's just a really unique tale of friendship, one that is always in the the threat of of ending just as it's beginning, because, again, she's at a suicide hotel. So you're not quite sure what she's going to do about it. Even his manager kind of advises him not to get too close because it's easier to bury strangers than it is to to bury friends. Um, but it's just very measured in its pacing it takes its time to let things build naturally and you're just completely wrapped up in 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 these characters and i loved how the film embraces silence like it just lets you absorb this this one night it's a really well done film and it's um very reminiscent of another film that we we both saw that's playing another short film called together um i don't know if you want to mention that one briefly yeah together is a film by Albert Shin, Canadian filmmaker, Albert Shin. And uh, he's made a short, he's made a couple of features, but for this, uh, he's made a short called Together. And yeah, it takes place in this hotel or motel room by the sea, uh, two anonymous strangers and uh, that theme of, they seem to be going through this, the motions of, getting ready to perform a suicide they don't even know each other but they've decided to do this you know together um and what happens with over the course of the the evening and uh you know into the next morning um and albert's uh, albert shane's precision and timing and yeah what you said about measured i think that's very much the case here and you know just slowly building, building this sense of pathos 
in empathy, and then there's this kind of a release at the end, but not maybe not the kind you're thinking. <laughs> not <Yeah>. you, but <laughs> people are thinking. Uh, very, very inventive as well. And yeah, it's a short. So that was really impressive that he can do that much in such a, in 13 minutes. Mm -hmm. And there was another short that you saw. Um, did you want to mention that yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope that people also, you know, take some time with the shorts. Um, there's a lot of great uh, young filmmakers, like there are a lot of great fil young filmmakers, um, but also, you know, like Albert, veteran filmmakers. So there's a nice mix of people um, throughout and a lot of Canadian artists, but there's a lot of international, but this, this happens to be also a Canadian film and it's in a program called Presence slash Absence. And this is made by Yasmin Kanji. And she follows this young woman, Munera. Um, it's it's like a, a little experimental documentary, like more documentary, but it's it it's kind of experimental in that it it seems to be supporting Mune what Munera, like she seems to be the driving force, even though there's a director there. Um and you know, at first it seems like it's a diaristic, it's Munera's diary film. Uh, talking about her her life and her mental health struggles and and how she she left home at an early age um, and her, the suffering as a homeless youth and stuff. But more importantly, she chronicles, she tells us about how her faith and how she faced up to to uh, different notions of her faith. Like her family had one version of Islam, that's the way she phrased it. She said, I, I didn't, I realized that their version of practicing Islam was not working for me. So I, you know, found my own way and through her faith and through mentors and through this new community that she built herself, um, she, she very much built up um, her, uh, her own self-awareness. Um, you know, and so the film is very much about empowerment, um, personal, personal empowerment, personal awareness. Uh, it's it's just incredible. Like if everyone had this kind of self awareness, uh, life would be like magical. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she talks about exactly what she will and like her boundaries and what she will and will not tolerate. And she is a young person, like a youth. Right. So she she's she's beautiful. The whole thing is just this beautiful statement about empowerment and, and self-awareness. And I think I've I know I've said those words so many times oh, uh, over and over again about this short. But really, uh, it's a revelation. She's a revelation. And she's she's very inspiring. Excellent. And again, um, the name of that film is with with love from Munera it's a very significant title with love from Munera all right and that and all the other films that we've mentioned are available um to stream online at, at real asian yeah just look up real asian and you'll see um I mean the the full I mean we should say the real asian international film festival but 
everybody knows it affectionately as as real Asian. And speaking of affectionate uh, t- uh, names for festivals, uh, we're going to talk about bits now, right? Yeah, yes, um, the the Blood in the Snow Film Festival is going to be running from November twenty third, or sorry, November eighteenth to November twenty third, and uh, this is the you could say the second part of the festival because last year due to the pandemic they went virtual and had their festival completely on uh, super channel and it was a big hit and this year they did the rather inventive thing of doing a hybrid so they had the the virtual version that ran from october 29th to october 31st and it had its own individual batch of feature films and shorts and now they're going back to in person for the second half at the Royal Cinema um, on the 18th to the 23rd. And again, a brand new batch of feature films, short films. There's a lot of industry um, discussions and panels that you could partake in. So it's, it's a very, it's doing very well, this festival. They, they keep kind of always end up being ahead of the curve, which um, I like. And The one I want to start off with is their opening night film called Vicious Fun. Uh, This is a film where if you are a fan of horror or if you're one of those that's maybe not that big on horror, you like your horror with a bit of humor in it. Vicious Fun is the, the film for you. It's set in the 1980s and it basically follows a film critic for a popular horror magazine who through a random series of events, he essentially follows the guy that his roommate, who he has a major crush on, went out with one night and just in a, falls him to a bar just to kind of size him up and then ends up getting drunk at this bar and passing out like in a closet or something. When he wakes up, he realizes that the bar or restaurant that he's in has been locked and there's like a special type of AA meeting going on, but it's an AA meeting for serial killers. <laughs> and he it's, and it's led by uh, this man by the name of Zachary, who is played by David um, Koshner, who a lot of people would re- remember from um, Anchorman one or two, you know, a lot of great comedic films. So he's kind of leading this, these group of individuals, um, the Canadian actor Julie, Julian um, Richings is is one of the individuals there. He's kind of more of like a bookwormish serial killer. There's he, he, I could see him. He, he's probably the perfect serial killer. <laughs> yeah, th- there is. There's um, there's one who is, I guess, a bit of a can- cannibal. There's another dude that's kind of like the big hulking dude, and they all have different aspects like they have day jobs or day lives that you know one's like an accountant one does one's a a chef the cannibal's like a chef in real life and and what have you and then there's this mysterious girl by the name of carrie who um we see from the opening may not be the damsel in distress that a lot of other serial killers may or other predators may think that she is Uh, so the lead um character joel basically has to use his film knowledge to create this character that is also a serial killer so that he can kind of pass himself off in this group. And things really kind of hit the fan when he realizes that the guy he initially followed to the bar that was dating his roommate is actually one of the serial killers. And he's probably one of the worst ones 
So when he shows up, uh, you know, everything goes haywire and Joel and Carrie kind of find themselves at odds with a whole bunch of deadly serial killers. And that's all I'll say without spoiling it, but it is the film's a delight. It's um, it's not that gory. It's the perfect blend of humor. If you're a fan of 80s horror movies, you're just a fan of um, films that kind of poke fun at the genre that they're in. Vicious Fun is a, a perfect way to kick off the festival. And if by chance you're unable to, to make it out to bits, um, I do believe it's a Shutter production. So it may, it'll probably... Um, arrive on that platform at some point but definitely it's it's worth the watch you'll you'll have a, a delight with that yeah one. It's, it's probably like a perfect opening night film because yes. with yes. the humor and stuff and then with an audience that sounds like it'll be like perfect opening night film mm-hmm. it's a great way to welcome people back to the cinemas for the, for that festival um to change the tone slightly i know that you saw peppergrass which i also saw so what do you think of that one Oh, um, I was, I thought Peppergrass was fantastic. Um, basically it is set during the pandemic. And, uh, so this, this woman and her boyfriend, she's uh, a restaurant tour. Um, so the pandemic has taken its toll on business and, um, they come up with this scheme, uh, to go and rob this reclusive veteran who used was a friend of her grandfather's her grandfather just has passed away um so they developed the scheme because she remembers that he used to have truffles so they developed the scheme where she's going to go sweet talking with like oh my my grandfather died i you know i just want to tell you that and uh he left you his medals because you're, you were such a good friend uh, she remembers him as being you know very reclusive and a little weird but she doesn't really remember very well. Um, she doesn't re- really actually remember how to get there. So she and her boyfriend, um, you know, get in the car and start driving there. And uh, they sort of hit the, the right neighborhood or the right region. The man lives on this like vast amount of woodland. Um, because that's, of course, wh- where you're going to find truffles, right? Um, so they they get there at nighttime, which uh, is that's when the fun starts, really, because it's nighttime and there's a lot of different things that possibly could go wrong. Um, and they all do. And uh, actually, I thought that her partner, the, the man, was a bit of a doofus. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. and um, so they, you know, they they do eventually find the veteran after a lot of, you know, scary this is like a really great thriller in a lot of ways. It's not very gory. Um, So, you know, in true thriller fashion, um, getting there, like you don't know what's out there and you don't know what's going to happen. And then also when things go very badly, when they meet him, uh, she has to, you know, she, she is off in the wilderness. I don't know how much to say actually, but, no, she no, spends that's, a lot of time yeah. out in the wilderness and you just don't know what's going to happen. And I love the fact that she's such a strong protagonist and you see her go through these trials and tribulations and um, she's very strong and becomes even more powerful, right? And it, she relies on her wits um, 
so it's simple enough. Like the, the premise is all simple enough, but uh, like the tone, the mood, the setting, the setting is like, it, and it's one of those films, like one of my biggest nightmares is, you know, the fear of the unknown. So she, you know, you don't, you don't know. She doesn't know, but like, I felt like maybe I was a bit more scared than she was because I was like sitting there on my couch, terrified watching, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> watching this screener. And it's like, I don't know what's out there. And, you know, maybe I was um, empathizing with her a little too much. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, I thought um, I enjoyed it for the most part. I the I don't know if the ending the ending didn't work for me. Um, but oh, I, I thought the ending was perfect. Oh, I thought okay. it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> that's that's great. I, I'm glad you enjoyed. It. I think like there's uh, there's for me, I was more caught up in the first section of the film, and especially when uh, the lead character is out on her own and you know, was in the woods and trying to figure out how, and even like the, the cusp of civilization that you see at different points, even that's super haunting. Cause it seems like very foreign, especially when you're disoriented and you don't know yeah. what is yeah. safe. And I thought all of that stuff was really interesting. Um, the, the latter half quite didn't quite work for me in that way, but I thought the build up to it was great. And I think also I've, because I'm such a big fan of uh, the film Pig, I, I don't know what why um, truffle hunters and truffle pigs have become like the thing for 2021. But I just now find it <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> like, I, I want to know more of, like the, about these truffles and these pigs and these people that dedicate their lives to it and, and how crazy some of them might be based off of other things. Like I don't know, it was just it was one of those weird connections that. Was as I was watching that film, I was thinking um, of of pig as well. I'm going, it's it's so random that truffle hunters and truffle pigs are like the <laughs> the it thing for this year. But you know, there's stranger things know. have happened. <laughs> Is it like a, a pandemic thing where it's like, wow, we're all stuck inside. We're thinking too much. Let's let's just you know, let's go like any foodies. It's like let's go more foodie. Let's you know, let's go into the, the great realm of truffle hunting and. Uh, because mm-hmm. yeah, like truffles, uh, especially I found out in this film, are very very expensive because they're so yep. precious. They're so hard to find, and you need the right pig, right? Mm-hmm. To do to do the work, right? Yeah, it's a no. fascinating thing. But I mean, I guess who knows? Maybe cinema will will dive into it further. You know, moving <laughs> m- moving forward. Uh, Why not pig power? I mean, uh, <laughs> those poor creatures have not gotten their their fair share of attention. Uh, one film that I saw that didn't have any pigs, but it, it does kind of relate to the the great outdoors. Um, actually, the next two films that I'll talk about, uh, the the great outdoors plays a a big vast part of it. But um, one is called um, Flee the Light, and it's directed by Alexandra Senza, and it, it follows these two sisters. Um, I think one's a psychology student, and I can't remember what the other sister is, but um, the other sister ha- is having problems, and she keeps having these weird visions. So it's um, Andra's the psychology student, and Delphi is the one that is having these strange visions and it basically leads them to um, Northern Ontario 
and they're trying to figure out what's what's wrong with her. There might be something with her past. And then they kind of get there and slowly start to integrate with some people in the community and strange things start to happen. And in many ways, the roles begin to change because um, Andres has taken her sister out there to help try and save her and cure her. But through circumstances, Delphi ends up being the one who has to try and save Andro. And it's, there's a linkage to the past and possibly the supernatural, possibly witches. There's a lot of weird things that occur that I'm I'm not going to spoil. It's a, it's an interesting film where I think the, it doesn't quite live up to its premise for me. Uh, There was too many things that were thrown in that they don't quite explain right like there's a particular club that they go to and all the people that go to this club kind of admit how you you feel changed after you go there but they never quite explain that in any depth right so there's certain characters that appear including a possible love interest for andrea that the way how the film unfold it, it never felt quite fully formed like the ideas were there but there need to be like another draft of the script to really solidify it, at least for me. Um, so like visually, I thought it was quite inventive, like uh, well shot, but it just didn't work. So it got to the point where I, I kind of lost interest in the plight of the sisters because I was just trying to make sense of, of some of the choices and why a character would do one thing one minute and then kind of magically appear the next to do something else. Like it just didn't work for me um yeah and it's too bad yeah and i mean it's it's one that i could see the potential there i just i think the script needed a little more fine-tuning and that's all i can say without kind of spoiling um the film but another one that was also takes place in in, um, the remote outdoors is one called the family by dan slater and it's an interesting film. It reminded me of another film that I saw earlier this year called Glass House, where it's essentially you've got this family. Um, I'm going to say in this case, kind of a makeshift family because the it's set, I guess, back in the 1800s or so. And it's this family where the matriarch and patriarch are devoutly religious and they have four kids, um, one of which is Caleb, who is the only black one in the, the group which immediately sends off kind of, hmm, this is a little peculiar. Um, And they are, they keep talking about the, you know, praying to this particular um, entity that is going to bless them and protect them, but they can't go past certain part of the grounds because that's where evil lurks and the dangers. And you start to question the the motives of the the father and the mother as the film progresses because they are they're really brutal at times in terms of punishing the quote-unquote kids as you know and then Caleb is supposed to be the next in line and going to be the eventual leader of the clan and they talk about how you know the great entity will bestow on him a bride and all of this stuff and then a few days later, this young woman by the name of Mary magically appears. And Mary doesn't quite remember much about her past, but at the same time, you could tell that she's something's happened to her that she's not, you know, she's like, this is kind of weird. I don't know where I am, who these people are, but I 
I feel like my life is in danger. And as the film tries to start to unfold and the pieces come in place, it, it really becomes an interesting look at how ideology, how religion can be used not to necessarily uplift people, but keep them bound in fear. Um, and, you know, some of the things that occur and what's going on on the outside world may or may not be as bad as the, the terror that they're currently dealing with within. Um, again, oh it's, a, it's a really interesting um, premise. I will say that, um, and this is going back to a, a complaint that I had in a, a film that we discussed in another a previous episode. Um, this is one of those films where they use chapters to try and break up oh, yes. the yeah. story. And I, again, 2021 is the year where chapters just don't work for me. Um, I feel like it, this one works better without the constant reminder that, oh, there's still several more chapters to go. And I also think similar to Flee the Light, the idea gets so big that it, I don't think it it kind of sticks to landing. Like things start to run, things really kind of go haywire. I don't think the, the narrative necessarily can, is able to rein everything in to make the the ending and the explanation truly satisfying. But having said that, everything leading up to it is really interesting. The performances are, are fantastic. Um, the the f- mother and father, who's um, the mother's played by Tony Elwin and the father's um, Nigel Bennett are really good and terrifying. Like the mother just sitting in a chair in the field holding a gun is just a menacing image. You know, she doesn't even have to say much. And she's already evoking chills. And then the the actors, you know, the actor that's playing Caleb Benjamin, Charles Watson, Mary, Keena Lynn, um, I think it was Jenna Warren and Yasmin McKay are the other actors that round out the cast. And they're all fantastic. Um, they just do a, a wonderful job. So it's a really interesting film. Definitely worth the watch. I, I just don't think it quite sticks to the landing, but I was still kind of thinking about it afterwards, which is a, a good testament to this to this type of film yeah well, what an interesting premise though that religion mm-hmm. uh, creates a scarier atmosphere within a community or within a household yeah and it's, the, it's, the way that religion can be twisted right yeah and uh, there was there was a couple of times because um you have caleb as a the only black character where there's a few scenes where like i don't know if that's really if it really works the way you think it does because it has a whole other connotation when you put a black person in that particular um, role but i didn't find it that distracting like those moments were kind of um few and far between like it was the the premise and overall execution was was interesting enough that some of some of the shortcomings i was willing to to look past interesting yeah Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and that's just a, a few of the films that are playing. As I said, Bits has a whole bunch of short films. Um, there's other features. If you want something that's a little more gory, there's a couple of those titles as well. So, yeah, there's plenty to see. And it runs from November 18th to the 23rd at the Royal Cinema. Fantastic. Okay, lots to look forward to, lots to do. And um, I think we've we've talked about a lot of films. So. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're done. Yeah, a lot of content to check out. All right. All right. Well, that's it for Frameline for this week. Thanks for listening.